Welcome to The Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week, where every Saturday we discuss the biggest news stories of the week with Portland's noisiest newsmakers, savviest culturistas, and some of the best journalists in the game. I'm your host, Brianna Wheeler, and I want to hear from you. So send your questions and comments to me, bwheeler at wweek.com. All right, y'all, enjoy the show. What's your favorite abandoned Portland building? We all have one, right? For the longest time, I was obsessed with the Radke Auto Parts building at that weird angular intersection of North Fessenden and Columbia Way. Couldn't you just imagine a couple of candy paint, kitted out, classic Cadillacs on display on that little triangle pocket of sidewalk in front of their entrance? It's been empty for as long as I remember, but what was that place like in its heyday? I've also been bird-dogging that red building on the corner of MLK and Skidmore. Before that place vacated, there were always these cool works of metal art in this little parking lot-turned-patio, and it was all stuff like you might see at Burning Man. I think the resident might have passed away, and if all that cool art was just left on that parking patio, can you even imagine what was left inside? I could name dozens of vacant buildings that I would totally consider risking a B&E for, but I never went all in and investigated any of them, which is why I was particularly stoked about this week's cover package, Chasing Ghosts, an examination of some of the most iconic long-time deserted buildings in the city, including the Radke Auto Parts building. It's Saturday, August 20th. And this is episode 85 of The Dive. This week, I'm welcoming back Nigel Jaquis, one of many contributors to this week's package. Nigel and I will chat about buildings left vacant in a city experiencing a houselessness crisis and what gets left behind when those places are left to rot. But first, here's what I learned from this week's edition of Willamette Week. State lottery officials who make around $200,000 a year are totally allowed to live on the other side of the nation in states with no income taxes. Are you mad? Kate Brown thinks that we can't be that mad because this is what's going to happen when you normalize remote work. Somebody stole the city's only bookmobile, Rachel Saslow reports. Thankfully, bookmobile babe Christy Quinn keeps the books in a storage unit and is still able to provide bookmobile-ish services, like a free summer reading camp at Lentz Park on Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon. And, with the help of the community, she's got her eyes on a new bookmobile already. Why does Betsy Johnson beef with us so hard? Ugh, don't answer that. Nigel Jaquis reports both Tina Kotek and Christine Drazan turned over their tax returns to WW, but Betsy declined. Hmm. Dang. Hmm. Okay. Well, okay. Don't, don't y'all be speculating about Miss Johnson's finances amongst yourselves or anything like that. No, definitely don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do that. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, why does Betsy Johnson beef with us so much? Now, let's do some vicarious urban exploring through abandoned Portland with Nigel Jaquis. Why are all of these iconic buildings, why are all of these buildings just sitting empty? I, you know, I, I couldn't say there was any one reason that we found. I, in fact, the, <laughs> there are so many reasons. One of the, one of the reasons that I found most compelling uh, 
was is the building that's at 33rd and Broadway. A lot of people see that building every day because it, it sort of looms over uh, I-84, and it's also at a busy intersection, Northeast 33rd and, and Broadway. And um, that's the old Gordon's Fireplace Shop. It's now you know, completely covered in, in a remarkably interesting, colorful, varied graffiti, but it was, uh, it was closed in 2016 as a retail shop, and it was bought by some uh, developers from Seattle who've done some really good work in Portland. They did uh, Pine Street Market downtown, which was kind of an unused old building. They made it into a pretty cool food hall. They fixed up an old uh, uh, athletic club for Under Armour's headquarters over in Southwest. So they, they do good work and they have wanted, first they thought they were going to do office and they realized at the beginning of COVID that wasn't going to work. So they changed plans and decided to do housing. It's a three-story uh, sort of, uh, it's an old factory. So it's rectangular, three stories, uh, huge windows. And uh, the, the lead developer, a guy named Rob Brewster, said, you know, we thought it was going to be six or eight months to get permits, and it's taken uh, more than 14. And so we've been Thanks. delayed and delayed and delayed. And, and, and we heard that from a few people, that uh, trying to get permits in this town is really difficult. And, you know, I've known that. I've heard that from people for 20 years yeah. uh, as a reporter. Um, and it's a little bit disturbing because, for instance, that building is going to have 18 or 19 apartments in it and, and other buildings that we uh, reported on for this cover package. Similarly, are places that people would like to build housing and, and uh, the permitting process has been slow. I, and another uh, parcel of land that a lot of people may be familiar with is an old uh, dry cleaner at 27th and Belmont in Southeast. and that was a slightly different story. It was uh, like a lot of dry cleaners, they use uh, some pretty nasty chemical chemicals to get people's clothing clean. So it took a while to get that chemical out of the ground. And it's, mm. it's proposed uh, also for housing. It's going to be workforce housing, meaning less expensive housing, which is good. We need more less expensive housing in this city. But, you know, it's been that's been sitting vacant, I think, for 10 years. Um, uh, they're just, uh, you know, there are buildings all over town. There was one that Sophie Peel wrote about out in Outer Northeast, uh, a house that's owned by a nonprofit housing organization, PCRI. Mm -hmm. It's been empty for 20 years. Uh, it, it, it's remarkable. I mean, it's a single story house. I've been by it a few times because I thought about writing about it before because it's kind of ironic. Here's an organization that exists to provide housing. It's got a house that's been empty for 20 years. And, um, so, you know, they, they, they didn't have a very good excuse. They said they didn't really have the money to fix it up. And I'm, I guess my response to that is if you can't fix it up, you should sell it to somebody who can because, you know, no house, no house should be sitting empty when we've got uh, thousands of people on the streets. So you were already curious about these properties or, or was there a specific well, reporting you had done that made this story more compelling? So, um, <clears throat> Willamette Week's office is in Northwest Portland uh, on 22nd and Quimby Street. Uh, we've been up here for, I guess, 15 years or so. And all that time, when I walk uh, on 23rd Avenue, I've walked past the Quality Pie building at uh, 23rd and Northrop. Mm -hmm. And that building closed and that there was a, a kind of a late night hangout to serve pie, Quality Pie. It closed in 1992 and it sat empty 
for 30 years until it was finally torn down in May, this May. And every time I walk past that building, which I have done, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of times, I thought to myself, you know, how can these owners be foregoing hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in rent? And, uh, yeah, it, you know, I did a little reporting on that. I wrote a small story about it a few weeks ago, but I had in my own head, uh, you know, a couple dozen properties around town where I would ride past on my bicycle, walk past, drive past in a car and, and, and think the same thing. You know, it costs a lot of money to hold even a vacant lot. Uh, there's a vacant lot up at 60th in Belmont that I've wondered about for years next to what used to be Steve's cheese shop and is now the Blind Dung in Pizzeria. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Even if you don't have a building, you're still paying property taxes on the prop- on the dirt itself. And, you know, a lot of people have to put fences up or they have to board up empty buildings. But, you know, you, you could be earning rent or you could sell these properties. And so, gosh, once you once you sort of it's like anything else, once you start looking for buildings that don't make sense, you see them everywhere. And that, that's, uh, I guess, a point that I, I could have made. We could have made more strongly in this story. There was a public safety official that Commissioner Joanne Hardesty brought out from the East Coast a year or so ago to talk about how to make Portland safer. And he said, look, in some of the old cities in the Northeast, one of the things that the cities do is they knock down old buildings that are vacant and they'll never be used again. And I thought to myself, this guy doesn't know much about Portland because we have such an incredible housing shortage that... You know, there aren't many empty buildings here and there aren't many uh, vacant houses and there aren't many uh, opportunities to do that. But, you know, when you look around, there are and and it makes no sense. There's, I think, of the largest 40 cities in the country, housing, the price of housing has gone up more in Portland over the past 20 years than all but five of them. It's an expensive place to live. And that means that that means that every you know, every old storefront could be an apartment. Every every old large building, like the one at 33rd and Broadway, should be used. And so uh, we, we asked readers, um, you know, we tapped the collective wisdom and intelligence of our readership, which is considerable, and said, tell us about the buildings you've wondered about. And so I, I, I think this story was a blast, frankly. I, I enjoyed it. I did three or four of them, and, and I had a good time reporting them. There are a lot more buildings we didn't get to, uh, and we will get to them over time. This is very relevant to my interests because I like to bird watch around town and check out these buildings as well and wonder about them and wonder what what were they like when they were thriving and what led to them looking like they look now and how can I get inside and take pictures. So you personally investigated the Northrop Grocery, the Mount St. Joseph Assisted Living and Gordon's. I mean, that building is so iconic. Um, what was the most interesting thing that you personally learned while reporting those three? Well, I live uh, not too far from the Laurelhurst Village uh, Senior Citizen Facility, which is at 33rd and Stark. Actually, it extends all the way from 30th to 33rd on Southeast Stark Street. Mm-hmm. I did not know that that is both the oldest and the largest senior care facility in the state. It, it uh it dates back uh, to the 1800s, and as you know, not many buildings here date back to the 1800s. So that's been providing a vital service for a long, long time. And, and of course, why it's on our list is that uh, it's puzzling, but half of that very valuable real estate has sat dormant for years. It kind of looks like something out of a Stephen King movie with this 
very foreboding, dark, and, and kind of abandoned uh, structure on half of, uh, I think the, the property, I don't have my story in front of me, I think the property, the property is more than six acres. It's a huge piece of real estate for a, a city piece of real estate, and half of it's just sort of sitting there. Nothing's happening to it. They used it very briefly during the pandemic uh, as a quarantine facility, but otherwise it's dark. And um, that's crazy. And so what I what I learned is, uh, I think part of the explanation is that the people who actually own the property are in Hong Kong, um, um, a Hong Kong investor group that owns three or four other properties around the state. And so I'm guessing, you know, no, no uh, slight to people who live in Hong Kong or, or out of town investors. There are plenty of people from all over the world who own real estate in Portland. But you know, if they're not here, they're probably not as concerned. Uh, they're not driving by that property every day and saying, yeah. uh, "My money could be my money could be put to better use." Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, we're we're in the midst of a baby boom retirement, and and the demand for services for seniors is uh, through the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it it's a shame that that land is so uh, unused or so lightly used. Yeah. You talked about Gordon's Fireplace building, for example, and how the there's too much red tape to get development going. It was supposed to take eight months. It's taken 14 months. But what about less enthusiastic owners, specifically the owner of the property on 28th in Alberta, the old pizzeria? That building is gorgeous. What is keeping that person from redeveloping? It is gorgeous, and, and uh, my colleague Anthony Effinger was unable to get the owner to tell him that. That's been sitting vacant, I think, for seven years. Used to be really good pizza in there at El Forno. Mm-hmm. I, I love that place. And um, that place is great. It, it, it has. Um, it, it's just sitting there, kind of like a, a, a missing tooth in the middle of Alberta, where there's so much activity around it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, the rent that the owner could be pulling in off that on a monthly basis is is considerable. It'll be thousands of dollars a month uh, that she is foregoing and has foregone for seven years. Um, it, it it really doesn't make any sense. And obviously, one of the the points that you get to is some of these properties are tied up in in legal disputes. Uh, that property looks like an example of somebody who has enough money that they just don't need to. Uh, they don't care. They don't care, and it's weird. How many buildings did the team investigate? Well, we had 12 in the story. I think we did a couple that we didn't put in the story. I, I would say we have another at least two dozen on our list for the next time we do this, or we may parcel them out in, in smaller lots. But there are a lot of buildings. Uh, in fact, after the story ran on Wednesday, we got a fresh round of nominations with some very interesting properties that I hadn't thought about. There's a guy who does this really cool blog. It's called Alameda Old House Blog. And he writes for the Oregon Encyclopedia. He's a historian, kind of an archivist sort of guy, really interesting. And, you know, I talked to him about it. I said, he said, every, you know, every, every old building has a story. And, and it's true. I mean, there's a lot of, the, the, the Gordon's Fireplace uh, building was once an aircraft factory. They, they didn't build whole planes there. They built the struts and the, I believe the wings, and they built them out of spruce. And this was 1917, 105 years ago. Oh, wow. uh, you know, the, the the a lot of these buildings have have a lot of history. There, there's another one that uh, Lucas Manfield investigated, which is uh, a, a Chinese uh, a tong Chinese tong, which is a social club uh, 
building in Chinatown. And, you know, I've been by that building a million times and it just looks like it's, it looks like it's vacant. Derelict. There's still a Tong that's, uh, I guess, use it, owns it and uses it, but you just couldn't tell it from the outside. And that building is now the a different kind of social club, isn't it? Like a artist collective yeah, yeah, took it over. It's just finally, finally come back to life, uh, which is exciting. Um, you know, there's some there's there's a building right near there called the Society Hotel, which was in a another old uh, unused Chinese shop house building. And and I remember talking to the developers when they did it, and they said when they went into some of the rooms, I think there you know there was a newspaper that was 30 years old sitting on a table. <gasps> you know, so it's, it, it is uh, some of these buildings are sort of like movie sets they you you couldn't really recreate that um, wow that's so cool um yeah i love finding my way into these old buildings um when it's possible i don't like to break the law too hard um because of stuff like that because you will find like a 30 year old newspaper you'll find somebody's 60 year old diary or old pictures it's these time capsules, they're little time capsules. Yeah, I, I think one of the uh, aspects of Portland architecture that I appreciate is if you go to a place like Ken's Pizza on 28th and see the old beams that are in that building that were once part of a roller coaster up on the top of Council Crest, or if you go in the Eco Trust building uh, on Northwest 9th, you see these extraordinarily large beams that were cut from old growth timber that they could never harvest today and they shouldn't but the the history of the city and the state are uh, often evident in the insides of some of these uh, uh, well-preserved old buildings or or reconstructed from other old buildings and um, you know it's a shame that some of these uh, places that we wrote about this week are are dark and are dormant and are deteriorating and and uh, you know, a lot of them can be brought back, and I and I hope they will, because we we do have a shortage, and it's a it's a you know inhumane situation that people are living in in this city, where uh, it's 95 degrees out, and there are thousands of people outside who'd like to be inside, and uh, you know that, that it's a crime to have vacant space when so many people need need a place to live. Have calls to action like this seen? some measure of success? I think that um, as long as I've been at Willamette Week, which is 24 years, there has been discontent among the development community about how hard and how long, how, how expensive it is to get permits, how long it takes to get permits, uh, and how there is unnecessary red tape. And um, I think that the more times that uh, we report that and the more times that people at city hall who have the authority to do something about that hear it that yeah i i, I think stories like this I, I mean in some way this is sort of a light-hearted summer story for people's amusement but on the other hand there's a real serious component to it it yeah. is a call to action it is a call to the mayor and to his council colleagues to take more urgency to act with more urgency to get these buildings uh, back uh, back into use um, so you know there's a there, there there is a public purpose here there's a public interest element to this story yeah
big thanks to this week's guest, Nigel Jaquist, and thank you for joining me. I hope you'll join me again next week. Until then, bye.